So the news traveled all the way from Jerusalem down to Sheba about this wise king. But it also says, and his God. And I find that so fascinating that she was not just drawn to his intellect, his wisdom, but she was also interested in this God that he had a relationship with. And so I feel like Sheba was being wooed by the Lord right from the beginning. You know, all of us have things that are just our favorite thing. If, if I want to make sure I get you somewhere, Heather, I have to think, what would be the one thing I could tell her that would make her get the car and come? Right? Whether chocolate or Starbucks or whatever thing is going to make you say, yes, I'll be there. Uh, and apparently for Shiva, it was wisdom. Uh, she obviously herself was very bright, very well educated as a queen, very wise. But the thing that rang her bell was wisdom, a smart man. And can I just say, sidebar, I totally get that. You are listening to episode 87 of the God Center Mom podcast. And today I am lucky enough to be talking with fabulous author and speaker, Liz Curtis Higgs. And we're talking about none other than the Queen of Sheba. Now, I don't know about you, but I have not studied much about the Queen until uh, picking up Liz's new book, It's Good to Be Queen. And through this podcast and through her study, you find there's a lot of things we can learn from this gal, including my favorite part of this podcast, how to be bold in the spirit and not in the flesh. And so I know you're going to enjoy it. Stay tuned for details about a giveaway. I'll give those at the end of the episode. Let's get right to it. Here we go. Hey, Liz, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. What a blessing. Thanks, Heather. I'm so glad we were able to connect. And uh, I've been a big fan of yours. Man, you've written some awesome stuff. So thank I've you. I've been out there a while having fun. <laughs> thank you for all your hard work. I know uh, even this latest book, the research involved and all that time, you know, is a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a sacrifice. Well, it's, you know, we are, I'm just blessed I get to do something I love to do. Yeah. Uh, I think my mother said a hundred years ago, well, okay, not that bad, but sometime <laughs> last century, um, if you can find a job that you love to do, it will never seem like work. Mm. And that's really true. Yeah, that is true. Well, you also must have supportive, immediate family. So why don't you introduce everybody to that family that helped you on this journey? Oh, and that is so the truth. Um, when a woman tells me, I'd love to get into speaking, <laughs> Uh, first thing I ask her is, are you married? Yeah. And if she says yes, then the next thing I say is, is your husband supportive of this idea? Mm. Because truly, if you've got a man and he's not up for this, um, it is going to be a very, very hard road for you because yeah. it is an involvement of time. And so often for speaking, it's evenings and weekends. Yeah. So that time that you would have had together, uh, you now are not together for a stretch of that time. And so... I'm very grateful for my bill. We are um, ridiculously in love as we celebrate next March our 30th anniversary. Congratulations. Okay, there. Sorry there. <laughs> for your younger listeners. <laughs> but um, I just like them to know it's possible, Yeah, you know, yeah. that it can be done. Yeah. But um, for, uh, for Bill, though it's not what I was doing when we married, he knew it was my heart's desire to speak. Mm. And so he was supportive of the idea of it. Um, from the beginning, and then the reality of it when it actually unfolded. Mm. 
he came to work with me, left his full-time gig and came to work with me, not for me. Yeah. Uh, that's the, the key to success, by the way, of working with your spouse is neither one works for the other. You'll work together. That's good. That's uh, good. Whether you work actually in a job together or not, you're, it's all, all together, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so um, that was 20 years ago. And mm. so that's been a fun journey. It means we get to travel together now that the nest is empty. Um, when the nest was full, uh, Bill was the one who was gracious enough to stay home and be a superior father. And I was the one who jumped on an airplane, went and spoke somewhere. But um, just a great, great man of God. He, uh, I totally give him the credit for the fact that our kids turned out great because <laughs> that's so scary uh, when you, are, you know, sharing the raisins. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so that, that was, uh, that's been a blessing. And then, then our kids are grown people. Um, that is 28 uh, and uh, getting ready to buy his first house tomorrow. So that is Whoa. beyond Married to a lovely, lovely, lovely young woman. If I had, by lovely, I don't, I'm not talking about her attractiveness. I'm talking about her personhood. Mm. Uh, just a beautiful inside and out kind of girl. And uh, just what I would desire for a daughter-in-law. Mm. And then my daughter is 26. And uh, they both still live here in town in Louisville, where I do, which is huge to me. Yeah. Incredible to have them both still close. Um, so yeah, it's our little family. That to me is a starter family. I grew up as one of six. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so two kids is like, you know, starter. <laughs> but, um, wow. we were older when we had kids. So we thought two was probably just right. Well, I know, um, I've done one of your studies, one of your video studies, and you shared some of your backstory and, uh, you know, all God's brought you through and to where mm-hmm. you are today and the redemption. If y'all have never done or read, um, done one of Liz's studies or read one of her books, I'm just going to say, do it, do it. Uh, she's known, you are known for these study of women in the Bible and not just studies, but I love the, the fiction that mm-hmm. you write. I mean, that, that whole, I think I did, you know, your Jacob study of um, Rachel and Leah Right. And then there, you wrote a novel, right, about them, the two? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Scottish. I moved the story of Jacob, Lee, and Rachel to 18th century Scotland. You know, why it. not? Why <laughs> not? You get the freedom. Yeah. Well, and it is freedom. For me, to tell the story as biblical novels would make me a nervous wreck mm. because you would have to add to the story just because, you know, otherwise it'd be 10 pages long. Yeah. You're limited. Uh, You're and, limited. Yeah. Right. So by writing a novel in another time and place based on the biblical story, I could follow it to the letter and then add the necessary elements to keep the story glued together in another time and place. That's that's a fun thing. Remember what I said, what my mom said, yeah. you do something you love. Do <laughs> so something uh, you love. Uh, yeah, I can't. I think I was uh, just married, living in Wheaton, Illinois, and had met some gals and Every single one of them read Christian historical fiction, and I'd never heard of the genre, had gone to a Christian school, grew up in a Christian home, Christian high school, the whole works, and had never read a single Christian historical fiction. And Mm. it, like, opened this whole world to me that it was – you got to read a fun book, a story, get caught up in a story, and it was like having devotionals at the same time, right? Pretty good. Yeah. Right? You're learning more about God and how he worked in people's lives and getting a good story. So well, that's, you know, that's our heart's desire anyway, as, as novelists. Yeah. Um, I just happen to wear like three hats. So I wear the <laughs> novelist hat, historical fiction, and then I write the Bible study hat where we talk about these women of the Bible. 
and then I speak. So I'm really grateful to do all three because everybody enters in differently. Some people learn best by listening. Mm. It's just, or watching, you know, they're much more likely to watch a movie than read the book. Mm. Other people are the book readers. And so, you know, they, they need to be fed as it were. And then some of us love Bible studies. And so I write those too. And children's and children's books and children's books. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Th- that was a great uh, Easter basket filler. The parable oh, of the lily. Is that yeah. <laughs> That was a- oh, great. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All you moms out there, if you're looking for some new books for your kids, great stuff. Okay, so your latest book is called? It's Good, it's good to, to Be, be Queen. queen. Yeah. She's <laughs> my 30th woman of the Bible, Heather, oh that I, goodness. I dug into. Yeah, isn't that something crazy? And, you know, it's, yeah, man, I could go on a whole off topic there where people, you know, I don't think recognize how many women are mentioned in the Bible. and. Right. I even write about the ones that have no names. Mm. Uh, And technically, the Queen of Sheba doesn't have a name either because we know her country's name, Sheba, but we are not told in the Bible her first name. Yeah. So um, so tell us a little bit about her. Tell us if someone doesn't know, maybe they've even only studied her or heard the Queen of Sheba in some like cliche or uh, like, as you mentioned, your mom saying, who do you think you are? The Queen of Sheba. We've heard this phrase, but who is she? Why well, is she and the funny thing is, the phrase doesn't fit with the woman I actually met when I studied her story. Hmm. Uh, because to say, who do you think you are, the Queen <laughs> Sheba, makes her sound, you know, like she was hoity-toity yeah. or full of herself or um, egotistical or something. Mm-hmm. Um, she was, of course, extremely wealthy, very powerful. She was a queen in her own right. So she wasn't just married to a king. She was a queen yeah. with her own queendom. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess <laughs> yeah, you can't be a queen of a kingdom. That doesn't even make yeah, sense. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Queendom. I like but, it. Coin a term. I like it. There you go. We make stuff up sometimes. But, um, <laughs> she, uh, so she was powerful and, and we are not told by the way that she was beautiful or not. Hmm. I'm sure she, just like celebrities today, she used everything in her uh, armory to make herself beautiful, but whether she was naturally so, we don't know. The Bible never talks about it. Yeah. I kind of love that. Yeah. That physicalness of her is not part of the story mm. at all. Yeah. But uh, what you, and, you said that area of the world, Sheba, like for a modern day country would be about where for people that are listening? Yemen. 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 Southwest Arabia. Which is in and, like a Friends episode, I think. He goes to Yemen. Oh, really? <laughs> I think he flies to Yemen. But yeah. That's so wild because, you know, you'd really have a hard time stepping in the country today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because Americans go home today for Yemen. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, but we're looking, we're right thinking across like, the Red Sea from Ethiopia, okay. a little bit south of, of uh, Egypt. We're talking about that part of the world. Okay. And so um, she, the Bible tells us, and I just love this, every verse, there's only 11 verses about her, and every one reveals something admirable about her, something Mm. we can connect with. Mm. Uh, The first verse, for example, says, when the queen of Sheba heard about Solomon. Wow. Heard about Solomon. What would she have heard? I mean, he was like 1,500 miles away by camel uh, (laughs) up in Jerusalem. She's down in in, uh, Sheba, of course. And so that's a long distance for news to travel back in the day, 3,000 yeah. years ago. Yeah. But it's, uh, they, the news traveled um, by people. So 
travelers came through, uh, traders came through, and the first thing they spilled was all the news, all the gossip, everything they learned on the way. Mm. So the news traveled all the way from Jerusalem down to Sheba about this wise king, but it also says, and his God. Mm. And I find that so fascinating that she was not just drawn to his intellect, his wisdom, but she was also interested in this God that he had a relationship with. And so I feel like Sheba was being wooed by the Lord right from the beginning. You know, all of us have things that are just our favorite thing. If if I want to make sure I get you somewhere, Heather, I have to think, what would be the one thing I could tell her that would make her get in the car and come? Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Whether it's chocolate or Starbucks or whatever thing is going to make you say, yes, I'll be there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And apparently for Shiva, it was wisdom. Uh, She obviously herself was very bright, very well educated as a queen, very wise. But the thing that rang her bell was wisdom, Mm -hmm. a smart man. And can I just say, sidebar, I totally get that. (laughs) (laughs) I find intelligence very sexy. Yeah. Well, in an age when we just can easily Google something, right? We don't often have the intellectual conversations sometimes that our soul kind of likes, you know, you just kind of like, oh, I can Google that. I can Google that instead of like, let's think through what we already know in our heads and not, you know, go to another source. Yeah. 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 Right. And so you need, if you're that kind of woman and Sheba was, I would say I am and you are too, that you you need someone who can uh, come back to you with that knowledge, that wisdom, um, such that you go, oh, so Mm. uh, God had the perfect carrot to get Sheba off her throne and on her camel and heading north. Took about two months. Uh, A camel walks no faster than a man. Who knew? You know, I did some research. It's like, you're kidding. Man, yeah. It's just, it's supposed to save energy. Is that the deal? Just to. Well, they're, they're big and they plod, uh, but it does save energy for you to be up in the camel and let them do the plotting. (laughs) (laughs) She took so much stuff with her. Yeah. She showed up with a hostess gift, honey, that was, wow. (laughs) Uh, Four and a half tons of gold. Wow. Wow. You got to spread that over a lot of camels. You got to bring quite a caravan. Yeah. And frankincense and myrrh and all the spices of the land of Sheba. Which which all our essential ill gals now are like, yeah, see, frankincense was a thing. Yeah. And it was a thing. 3,000 years ago, uh, in fact, it was the most expensive thing. It was worth more than that gold. Yeah. Were these these exotic, rare spices that grew and were harvested right there in Sheba. It's thought that the the spices that were brought to the baby Jesus, frankincense and myrrh, would have come from Sheba mm. uh, through the traders. And so, um, and some, she brought some jewels too. Why not a little bling? <laughs> Sapphires and diamonds and things. But she wasn't uh, going to woo him to, as a suitor. Not That's at what all. I think is really key. That I think if you heard, oh, King Solomon and this queen from the south came to visit him with all this stuff, that her goal was marriage. And, and that was really interesting. That was not it at all. Not at all. Yeah. Remember, Solomon had 700 royal wives. Of course, like you do. Like you do. <laughs> yeah, like you do. And then. Three, and this is the tacky part to me, yeah. 300 concubines. Mm-mm. It's almost as if he's saying to the 700 wives, sorry, girls, you're not enough. I need 300 more women at my beck and call. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Un- so un- Kind of unbelievable. 
Yeah, it is. And I will say, Sheba was the kind of woman who was not about to be 1001. Mm. No way. Yeah. Furthermore, <laughs> as, as queen, she would never wanted to have had uh, w- to have married the man because then her land would have become his. Mm. Uh, and she would not have wanted to bear a son by him because then the son would inherit the land and it would go to his dad. And so, so mm. there, you know, there, there's just no way. There's nothing in scripture that indicates they had anything going on. And practical common sense would tell you that's not why she went. She went for wisdom. Yeah. Which is why I love her so much. She was a woman who really had her head on straight about what matters. Well, and she also displayed, you mentioned, some uncommon boldness. And as a strong woman, I don't know if you would label yourself a strong woman, but I, oh, yeah. I struggle <laughs> to know oh, my yeah. place sometimes. And so it'd be, I'd love to have a discussion about the difference between this biblical boldness and an arrogance or other things that get us in trouble being strong. Yeah. yeah. You know, I asked Heather, I asked an audience when I was teaching on It's Good to Be Queen. Yeah. First thing I teach on is It's Good to Be Bold. And I, I just knew they'd all want to be on board to be bold. And I said, so who wants to be bold? Mm. I definitely am there. Uh, three people out of 600 women raised their hand. <laughs> I thought, oh, wow. Either I'm a terrible teacher or I don't have my, my finger on the pulse of this group as well as I should. Yeah. Because boldness has always been a positive to me. Mm. But I talked to the women during the break and I said, all right, talk to me. Why did you not respond positively to, I want to be bold? Oh, well, then I'll be perceived as pushy Mm. or I'm shy and that would not come naturally to me. Or I don't want to come off as arrogant, know-it-all, all all those negative words. Right. And it is true. We don't want to be bold in the flesh, as it were. In other words, running on our own steam because then we become like a steam roller and we flatten people. Yeah. Is not what we're going for. When the disciples wanted to be bold in sharing the gospel, they prayed to God, give us your boldness. And then the next line says in the Bible that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So we don't want our boldness because it can get so out of control. Yeah. What we want is the Holy Spirit's boldness so that we can be gentle, kind, and loving, and yet be incredibly bold in what we're saying. Yeah. So it, it doesn't mean having a what we often think of as a bold persona so much as it is what we are daring to say mm. is bold yeah. for all yeah. the right reasons. It has to be all about God and not all about getting our own agenda taken care of. Mm. That kind of person, nobody enjoys being around. Yeah, yeah, that's me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> No, I for sure, absolutely. Yeah, no, I think so. With Sheba, she had to learn her place coming in, and yet also be confident to go straight to the throne. Right? Yes, I think the fact that she went there was immediately bold because most of the rulers of the ancient Near East came to Solomon to listen to him. They just wanted to sit at his feet and drink up all his wisdom. But the Bible says that she went there to test him with hard questions. So I think she was testing not only Solomon, but his God as well. Let's just see how smart we're talking about here. Uh, That's bold. That's brassy almost, really, to show up and say, I've got questions for you. But again, smart woman. She shows up with her huge entourage of people, camels, and all those goodies. 
And just as a little side note, something I didn't know, they showed all the wealth when they got there, but they did not actually give the present over until they left. Huh. What and was that? Thinking, the Bible doesn't tell us why, but common sense would say to me, if you're going to park there for a couple of months and her camels would have had to have rested for two months because they had to rest as long as they traveled. Yeah. So two months traveling, two months resting with this whole big entourage of people. You know, it's not very polite to show up at the door and not offer to pay for groceries. <laughs> yeah. So by having all this bling to show them, it's like, don't worry, I'm good for this. It's mm-hmm. like leaving your American Express card at the desk when you check into a hotel. I got this. Got it. But then the giving actually comes at the end, which when you think about it is kind of lovely because then, then you really are, have done the exchange. Mm-hmm. You know, you're giving a gift back for that which you've already received mm-hmm. instead of in advance. Like, here's all this really nice stuff. I expect you to take good care of me. It's a little more gentle than that. Wow. Yeah. So how yeah. can we apply that kind of to relationships? Sure. Well, um, I love people who are brave. Mm. and bold and courageous and sometimes that kind that doesn't come to us naturally but we need it we need to address an issue in our family had a situation just today where i had to actually clean up a mess i had made Mm. (laughs) imagine that's fun that's good times Uh, and so guess what if i'm the one who made the mess emotional mess little little thing that got huge by the time it was done you know how they do yeah a single sentence yeah just took on a life of its own and I had to I had to go do cleanup well I have to be the one to start that conversation the person who was hurt is not going to come to me and say I'm hurt please help me Mm. so you know you have to pray and you have to go in and sit down and you have to be bold you have to say we need to talk about what happened Friday night because I know I hurt you and I'm sorry but that's not enough to put this to rest between us together let's do that and, um, you know, it's so, it is, it's, I think, scary, especially with family where you can't just say, well, I just won't go hang out with her anymore. <laughs> right, right. You can't just shut them out down. Yeah, yeah. Shut no. them out of your life. Yeah. These are people you love, whether you're married to them or gave birth to them. These are people you love. <laughs> yeah. Or they're your in-laws. Um, and, uh, you know, these are all important roles. And so, so boldness, being willing to say the hard things. I think is a quality that serves us well. And we do the same thing the disciples did. We pray to God for the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, if I get my mouth into this, I'll back myself right into the same corner that got me in this trouble in the first place. Mm. So please put your words on my heart and in my mouth so that I say what needs to be said, but I do it in such a way that it has your sweetness, Lord, and therefore will disarm the situation. That's good. That's good. Bold in the spirit, not in the flesh. I like it. And you got it. Yeah. That's the, our four word thing. Sum up of the chapter beautifully. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. So she also learned a little bit about humility. And I thought that was really interesting. Uh, when I started God centered mom, that was actually the impetus was getting a little booklet on pride and recognizing that all these symptoms that I'd been pinpointing like individually, like read a book about this and then read a book about this, that, their whole route was um, a lot of pride that I had and how my kids even just kept like humiliating me. But maybe it was because of my pride, not because mm-hmm. of my kids um, right. that 
uh, Spurgeon says, either choose to be humble or you will be humbled. Right. Well, I'm going to use that in the book. That's really exactly right. Yeah. So Queen of Sheba comes in and you kind of sensed a little bit of pride coming in. Um, Talk to us about her humbling. Well, she knew, of course, that she'd heard about Solomon Mm. and everybody said he was wealthy and powerful and he was a great architect. Much was built under his reign, including the temple and his palace. And so, but you can hear about something and then you get there and you're blown away. And that's exactly what happened to Sheba. The scripture says when she saw all the wisdom of Solomon and his people and his buildings and his, this is funny to me, but in one translation, his fancy waiters. <laughs> Apparently their uniforms are really impressive. Oh. Uh, when she saw everything of Solomon's, she was overwhelmed. Mm. At literally in the Hebrew, her breath was taken from her. Mm. She couldn't breathe. She was so blown away. Now, at this point, as a queen, she could have kept this knowledge to herself, you know, just thought it inside, but in the outside acted like, Oh, well, I see this stuff all the time. (laughs) But instead, this is what's so impressive to me about her, is that she says, what I heard and what I'm seeing, wow. That's the LRV, the Lizzie Revised Version. (laughs) Um, She said, not even half was told to me. Mm. And I did not believe it until I saw it with my own eyes. Mm. She was humbled and was willing to confess it. She was willing to be uh, publicly humbled. You talked about your kids humiliating you. I get that. If you can think of it as humbling you, because it is a truth. I always say to people, if you want to be humbled, give birth (laughs) or adopt, because these kids will do that. And can I just say, (laughs) that does not end, Mm. you know, when they go off to school or anything. My kids still have the ability to um, show a mirror to me of what I actually look like. And it's not always pretty and it's not always kind and it's not always thoughtful. Mm. And so they do humble me, but wow, I needed it. And I'd always rather be humbled by someone who loves me than somebody who doesn't. Well, someone, someone told me recently uh, in, in studying this humility thing that being in God's presence you're automatically humbled. So pursue his presence mm-hmm. and you will find your position. And I think that that's, I think that's what happened with Sheba, right? She's in the presence of a king. Like we go to Absolutely. God, you yep. see all that he has, all that he is, um, that's beyond understanding a wisdom that is nothing she'd ever experienced. And you can right. automatically find your position in that, that, that to me just spurs me on to go, go to that throne room a little bit more than I, you know, than I tend to. For, you know, the yes, purpose of, right. yeah, finding your place. Right. Because it isn't just about worshiping God, though mm-hmm. that is glorious and our first thing, but it's what happens to us when we worship God, that humbling peace, it puts us, as you say, in our place, in our position. Yeah. Um, it's funny how that has such a negative connotation, connotation now, yeah. put somebody in their place. No, yeah. Um, but knowing your place relative to the Lord is, is a delightful place to be. Mm. Um, I always say, you know, it's, I feel so much better since I resigned as king of the universe because you know, <laughs> I was never very good at it anyway. <laughs> so I'm happy to be a humble servant of the true king. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what we see happen to Sheba is that she willingly bows her knee as it were and says, 
you are so much more than I imagined. The next thing she does after that uh, piece and after her honesty is that she praises his people. Mm. I just love that. You think about it as a mom. Yeah. Would you rather have someone compliment you or say to your children, you have an amazing mother, mm. right? Yeah. It's just always more wonderful if that praise is given to someone else. Mm. Uh, and so Sheba praises the people of Jerusalem and says, how amazing that you get to sit under his wisdom all the time. Mm. But then in verse in uh, chapter 7, also happens to be verse 7, she says something that takes my breath away. Praise be to the Lord your God. Mm. She was, we had mentioned this earlier, but it makes it all so much more interesting. She's a heathen, a pagan yeah. queen. Um, Sheba had, they worshiped the sun, the moon, and about a hundred other deities who all had to be appeased and pleased in their own ways. And now she comes to this amazing kingdom and finds that the king does not ask people to worship him. He worships the one true God. Mm. He humbles himself beneath his God. And that that's, was the final straw for her. It was like, oh my goodness, then let's praise this God, mm. which tells us, of course, the state of her heart. She gave up her false gods and embraced the one true God that she saw exemplified in the life of Solomon. It's kind of an amazing story. Yeah, it's like we get to be a witness of the opulence of Solomon and the devotion to God because, you know, Song of Solomon and uh, Proverbs are written by Solomon. But here we're getting like a, a view of him that says, no, this is true. He really was that rich. He really, there's an outside witness here. And, um, exactly. and he really That's did exactly. love God. Yeah. In the whole of this uh, passage in First Kings, it's all from her viewpoint. He never speaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. So good. Okay, so I think it'd be a fun women's Bible study to do. do you have oh, any, I hope so. Do you have any fun ideas for how yeah. women could well, do that? Sure. Um, I put a study guide in the back of the book so you don't have to get a separate notebook or anything. Nice. I did some Vimeo uh, videos free. Uh, of me, it's more conversation than it is presentation, talking about each chapter with a girlfriend across the table from me, so that you would feel part of that too. Those are all up on Vimeo.com, Liz Curtis Higgs. And um, of course, with the queen theme, people have so much fun with this. Yeah. But, oh, when I go out to speak, we have a throne that people can sit in. I bring crowns that they can <laughs> wear. And, you know, just for a minute, we're all 16 again. Yeah. <laughs> Or maybe eight would be. Or maybe eight, yeah. Especially since I got the crowns at the Disney store as part of the Frozen collection. (laughs) Let it go. But um, I think there's a lot of potential to have fun with it. Yeah. Um, And because each chapter explores like a different attribute of Sheba, I think there'll be one that will resonate with everybody, and another resonates with a different woman. Mm. Uh, and that makes for good conversation because yeah. some will be like, oh, boldness, I don't have any problem with that. You know, and the next woman says, wow, I'm not even sure I want that. Yeah. Well, you got a good point of discussion right there. Well, and in your study guide, you have them going all over the Bible. So I do. Yeah. So it's, it's you know, because it's a short section of First Kings. But I, I just, I love how you set it up to it's a phrase at a time, you know, and really looking mm. at that scripture. And then it's kind of fun, y'all. 
uh, Liz has put in little like commentaries almost from Sheba, like a little fiction is thrown in in the midst, which was yeah. it was you yeah. having fun again. I like that. Yeah, you having fun again. You got me. Uh, <laughs> I wanted, you know, I wanted what the Bible doesn't do, and it's okay. It doesn't have to. But it, it seldom shows us what people are thinking or feeling. Mm. It shows us what they're saying and doing, but not what they're thinking or feeling. So I wrote a little a journal entry. I started out thinking it was going to be a blog. And then I realized, <laughs> no, this is more like an introspective journal entry. Yeah. Um, of, of just her thoughts. And that goes between each chapter. They're short, just a page. But I wanted it to remind us again and again, she was a real living, breathing woman, mm. not a character on a page, but she lived and breathed and walked this earth just like we do. And so we know she had these feelings and emotions and observations. Um, of course, I kept it very true to what we know in the Bible. It just is a little more fun to crawl into her head. So, yeah, we did that. Why not? Well, and... You did extensive research. I mean, pages and pages <laughs> of references. I know. Sorry. No, don't say sorry. Thank you for doing it for us because yeah. that's a lot of reading. Well, Do you enjoy that too? Is that part of the fun? I love, yes. I love the research. And the truth is um, I I don't want to act like I know everything. That There's nothing gained in that. It's just prideful. I would rather say, here are the resources, not only that I turned to, but that you could turn to if you wanted to. Mm. And you'll also notice in the book, Heather, I had quotes from women on each of yes, these subjects. Yes, yes, yes. About 240 that. different voices are scattered through the book. And these are my Facebook sisters um, who follow me there, Liz Curtis Higgs. And they, uh, I would toss out the question that the chapter was based on. What does it mean to be bold to you? Yeah. What's your favorite way to encourage others? Um, are you good at giving generously? Questions like that. And they had the most amazing responses, hundreds of them, mm. each time I asked the question. So filtering through those and trying to choose some that were representative of everybody, I just wanted, I want other voices. It's, I, I don't have all the answers, but I'm willing to gather all the answers for you. And that's kind of what we did in, in this book and my others too. Well, I think what that does too is if you aren't able to do it in a little Bible study, you could watch the Vimeos and uh, you get to hear a couple other women's perspectives still, you know, right. as you're going. That's right. Awesome. I hadn't even thought about that. You, that. That's a good one, Heather. I'll use that for the next interview. <laughs> How's this for a great idea? This is a great idea. Well, Heather. I'm going to put links to all this on uh, the show notes that are over at GodCenterMom.com. But so y'all can connect with Liz and with her other books, Bad Girls of the Bible, Slightly Bad Girls of the Bible. It's just such a great title. Really ever. bad girls. I know it's crazy. Really bad girls. Um, she's a good girl or a spice girl, if you like. <laughs> and I heard from uh, Waterbrook that they're going to give away a copy to somebody oh, listening. Yeah. yeah. So um, make sure y'all, I'll have all the details on the giveaway over at the site too. So you can get your own copy. Not fun? Love that. Yeah. Yes, because we want to be generous like Sheba and Solomon. Give generously. Yeah. Yeah. We do, except I have to tell you, it's the it's the chapter after that that was the hardest to write to receive graciously. Mm, yes, that's another whole uh, another whole podcast, my dear, because I found out that receiving graciously is really hard for me, and not just me. Lots of us love to give, but we hate to say that we need anything. Well, that's the position, right? That's that yeah. position of um, 
humbling. I need right. help. All moms struggle. <laughs> Baby on the hip, newborn crying. Can I help you? No, I'm fine. I've got it. <laughs> exactly. Right. Surely I can help you, ma'am. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Spit up Boy, all over your shirt. It, everybody's, it's clear to everyone that you're not okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's clear to everyone. <laughs> That's why we're offering. <laughs> That's why we're saying, can we help you? Yes. Well, it's so great to hear from you, Liz, and hear your enthusiasm for Sheba. It's contagious. And um, y'all check out It's Good to Be Queen. And so good. I'm going to think about that. Be bold in the spirit, not in the flesh. That's going to be my maybe 2015 finish it out. Maybe the rest of my life. I think that might be a less of my life kind of thing. That's good. Yeah, it takes a long time to get to it, but so, so worth it. <laughs> so good. All right. Well, thank you, Liz. Have a great day. My delight. Thanks. Bye. Okay, y'all. Wasn't that fun to just learn a little bit more biblical history and uh, learn from a queen? I want y'all to have a copy of this book for free. So I want to give away one copy. And in order to be entered to win that, just head over to GodCenterMom.com and leave a comment if you've done one of the following. If you have liked or followed Liz over at on Twitter or on Facebook, if you've left a review on iTunes or you plan on doing Liz's Bible study, let me know in the comment section of the blog and you will be entered to win. And speaking of iTunes reviews, y'all, oh my goodness. I mentioned that a couple episodes ago and good heavens, the Lord has moved in mighty ways. I, um, someone told me, they're like, did you know that you are in the top of kids and family? And I was like, what? And because of your reviews and your subscriptions, over the last couple of weeks, the God Center Mom podcast has been in the top at least 25 for a couple of weeks on kids and family. And I'm totally humbled. I'm so amazed. And thank you just so much because that's like women who may not have any support network, any, they're not hearing anything or, I mean, you may be that woman. You don't have a Christian community near you. You don't have older women speaking life into you. And this is where you're getting it. And I am blown away by that. So I wanted to take a second and um, thank some people for leaving reviews. C. Henry CNM. I'm so glad this is one of your must listen podcasts and that you are being pointed to Jesus more than anything. I so thankful for that. Thank you, mommy to Silas and Asher. Uh, thanks for leaving your review, Ashley Mama. I think it's funny that um, I am a household name and that my guests are as well. That's awesome. And uh, thank you, Dwell in the Land. I'm glad you appreciate uh, my honesty. <laughs> I'm hopefully bold in the spirit. And then um, thank you, CM223. Uh, mom to two kids under the age of three. We will pray for you right now. And Caden is cool 18. I'm so glad that you love it. Um, Huffer. Thank you. I'm glad that you, oh, Erica, Erica Huffer. Thank you so much for your review. Thank you. Hip hip or not just hip, just one hip. Thank you. Hip hooray. I'm glad this is one of your favorites and Becky Lynn 53, a regular conversation piece with your mom friends. Uh, that's really awesome. Thank you. And Kate, MR, I'm glad you look for it every Monday. I'm sorry. There was no 
episode last Monday, holiday. I hope you all enjoyed that and got caught up. Uh, Swinney J, uh, mom to three preschoolers in Wisconsin. Pray for Swinney J. Ruth, a Ruth, a think. Um, I'm so glad that you've been enjoying uh, this podcast in your journey. And Becky Ecom, thank you for your review. Benzer 19, thank you. I'm glad you feel like we are mom friends. I wish y'all would talk, could talk back. That's the thing. <laughs> you all get to hear me talk and share all my business, but I never get to hear back from you. Um, M.M. McKay, thank you for your review. And I will look into an episode on the tension between the urge to run from evil and, um, but also live fully in the time and place God's called us. Uh, L. Surat the Brat. <laughs> Funny, awesome. Thank you for your review. Jillian E.V., new mom of three. Thank you. Steph Dahlbeck, thank you so much. And S.K. Ketty, three girls, three, two, and four months. Y'all, pray for these young mamas. Man, I have a heart for young mamas. That is a trying time, and you can get discouraged, but those babies are sweet. As long as they feel safe and loved. So you young moms, just remember that today. Did I take care of their immediate needs? Did I cuddle them as much as I could? Check, check. You did a great job today. All right. Thanks for listening. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 317, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.